Hello everyone, I'm Richard Thomas, editor of Pharmacy Magazine, and welcome to this special edition of the Talking Pharmacy podcast, where we're going to be discussing mental health and well-being in pharmacy with the profession's charity, Pharmacist Support. We're in the midst of a mental health crisis in pharmacy right now. Pharmacists and their teams are running on empty and we're seeing an alarming increase in stress and burnout. This week sees the end of the charity's hugely successful Act Now initiative for 2021. So it seemed a good time to look back at the campaign and consider how all of us can change our behaviours and that of our teams and become more resilient on a day-to-day basis. And even more importantly, to highlight where help can be found for those who need some support. So earlier this week, I was delighted to be joined by Danielle Hunt, Chief Executive of Pharmacist Support, and Melissa Cochran, the charity's resident wellbeing expert. I started off by asking Danielle about the charity's slight shift in focus to concentrate on wellbeing and supporting pharmacy teams to look after their own mental health. What was the thinking behind this? Well, I think well-being and supporting our own mental health has been important for everyone during the pandemic. And I think there's been a real shift anyway, just about us all thinking a little bit more about how we look after ourselves. But I think for us, that shift came before the pandemic, really. Um, We carried out some market research in 2019 to inform a new strategy for the charity. Um, And we really wanted to look at what the profession needed from us. Um, And that research showed high levels of stress and potential burnout. And this was prior to the pandemic. So obviously it's been quite a concern for us. And so we wanted to focus on what can we do to support people to support their own mental health. Um, And as I say, as a charity, we're constantly trying to develop and deliver new services and kind of meet that need. Um, We've just actually carried out our third workplace wellbeing survey in partnership with the RPS And that's helped us inform our development over the last few years. So I think of late, really, our focus has been on what do people need from us? And that's definitely been proactive support. So what can people be doing day to day to support well-being and mental health? And then what services can we provide? So we actually launched a new counselling service earlier in the year in direct response, really, to what people needed. So that focus has definitely been created on kind of what the profession want from us and working in partnerships with the likes of the RPS, the PGA and learning from their members. Yes, Danielle, and we we talked, didn't we, on the podcast right at the start of the uh, the pandemic and it's 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 clear that the, the sector and the charity has been on quite a journey mm. since then, hasn't it? Um, definitely, yeah, definitely. So, M- Melissa, um, thank you as well for coming on to the podcast. So why is self-care and well-being so important? I mean, it might sound an obvious question, but but with our pharmacists under and pharmacy teams under so much pressure at the moment, why should they be focusing on on their own well-being? Yeah, it's it does sound a bit of an obvious question, but it's a really good one because it kind of forms the basis as to why we're doing all of this. And I think all of us have a stress threshold. Um, sometimes this might be higher, maybe when things are going really well in our lives, they're going well at work, our relationships are solid, our health is good, but sometimes our thresh, sorry, stress threshold can be lower. Um, maybe when we're, um, confronting illness or problems at work, etc. And so I think 
learning how to manage stress so that you don't hit your threshold is really important because some people have a tendency to just keep going. There's this, this keep calm and carry on, just keep going. And um, you can end up giving to the point of reaching breaking point. And once you reach that breaking point, it can be there can be a lot of consequences for your mental health and relationships and your workplace. And it can be very hard to come back from a lot harder work to come back from that than it is to learn how to manage stress along the way. So what we're trying to do is help people to learn to um, a notice when they're stressed um, and then to also learn how to manage stress along the way so that they don't hit their threshold and, and perhaps get to that breaking point. Yes, and uh, it's a really good point that pharmacy teams tend to be, well, are very, very resilient uh, and tend to keep on going. Perhaps they're not being aware of their their, their stress threshold, as you say, and, and and the pandemic probably brought that to a to a little bit of a head, I would imagine. So that's a that's a really good yeah. observation, I think. Um, so Danielle, I mean, when we did talk back in, was it April? or May last year, um, you just launched your new strategy for, for the charity um, earlier on in the year. And then, of course, the the pandemic hit. So so take us back 18 months or so. Could, could you tell us a little bit about how pharmacist support responded to the COVID situation? Yeah, definitely. It was earlier in the year last year. It was the start of a pandemic and I mean, who who knew what was coming? Um, and we certainly didn't. And like you say, Richard, we just launched our new strategy in January 2020. Um, and to be honest, it, it really helped us. I think it's really guided us through the pandemic because our, our new strategy is very much focused on well-being of the profession. Um, our mission is to champion the well-being of our pharmacy family. So to kind of have that mission at the forefront of our mind at the start of a pandemic is probably quite good. Um, so it hasn't affected um, how we deliver. We've had that at the forefront of our mind. Um, and I think it's just what we've delivered and how we've delivered it is, is probably changed slightly. Um, so we launched our first wellbeing campaign, and that's what we talked about on the podcast last time. That's right. um, and, and that was definitely, for us, felt very timely. We wanted to do a wellbeing-focused campaign anyway. We knew that was important. Um, but we launched that now to kind of encourage people to think about it straight away, not, you know, to think post-pandemic when that might come, you know, let's start thinking about wellbeing. We felt like it was really important for pharmacy teams to think at the time when it was really, really difficult, what what are they doing to support themselves? Because we all had to look after each other. Um, so that felt really timely for us and was one of the responses we did quite quickly. Um, I think we definitely accelerated some of our development. So we, we've got a strategy for five years, but I think some things kind of moved more quickly because it was needed. So a lot of our support moved online much quicker than we anticipated. We knew we wanted to do that. So, for example, um, before we launched our strategy, a lot of our wellbeing support was via face-to-face workshops, and that was kind of the only way people could interact with us uh, on wellbeing. But... I mean, we knew quite quickly we couldn't run face to face. So what was we going to do? And, and that created quite a lot of opportunity for us to think quickly. Well, what can we do so people can access this support from home or what, 
at whatever time of day they wanted to do. People were working really long hours and didn't necessarily have time in the day. Um, so we launched a wellbeing hub with lots of new resources. We've actually launched a new wellbeing learning platform. So that means that we can kind of deliver that online support whenever it's convenient for people. And we also focused our service development. So we knew we wanted to reflect on the type of services we delivered and wanted to make sure they were really relevant. Um, and one area we wanted to develop was kind of our counselling and peer support service. And again, I think the pandemic just accelerated that um, and we were able to launch our counselling service earlier this year. So I think we're still on track, but things have happened a lot quicker and it's been an incredibly busy 18 months as it has been for everybody in the profession, I think. Yeah, for sure. And um, I mean, the your Act Now campaign last year's, you know, launch really successful. I think it gained a, a lot of traction. Uh, and in fact, so successful that probably it was an easy decision to run it again this year, Danielle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were overwhelmed by the support from across the profession, particularly other organisations kind of working with us. Everyone got behind it. Um, like I say, I think the timing of that worked really well. So I think it was timed really well. Um, so lots of people felt we were able to get involved and felt it was important. And I think for us, that was really good because although the core purpose of the campaign is to raise awareness of well-being and mental health and encourage people to take action and provide those tools. For us as a charity, we also wanted to use the campaign to help raise the profile of the charity um, because a key thing for us in the strategy was to raise more awareness of the, the charity and the support we offer because obviously people don't know about us, we can't help them. Um, so I think doing that in partnership with other organisations and lots of people supporting their campaign enabled us to kind of build traction. Um, and we've definitely seen a huge increase in kind of support and awareness of the charity, which is great. Um, so it was a really easy decision to run the campaign again, um, basically because of the feedback we had. Um, the feedback was unbelievable last year and, and I think it really had a good impact on people. Um, there were things that we wanted to improve. So the campaigns evolved this year and there's been more targeted. So we've we've run it in bite-sized chunks. And um, so we're in the middle of the pharmacist campaign and, and that's about to finish, but we ran a student campaign earlier in the year and a trainee campaign around assessment time. And um, so that seems to have worked well. And we've also had more of a science-based element behind us. And I'm sure Melissa will talk a little bit more about that, but that's been really important for people to understand the science behind why, why well-being practice works and why is it why it's so important for everybody to get involved yeah that's that's good good point and melissa maybe we can pick pick that up with you then this science behind well-being could you tell us a little more about this and and how this came about as a focus of this year's campaign yeah so we decided to go with more of a science behind well-being focus because in conversations with colleagues and partners, we found that people are more willing to engage with well-being practices if they understand why they work. And this is not surprising. It's kind of the same for me, if I'm honest. Um, I, I am much more willing to do something if I can understand that there is research behind it and it actually works and what, I, what it's going to be doing for my body and mind. And I think that, you know, pharmacists are um, 
a very educated science-based group of people. So it makes sense that in order to engage um, pharmacists in this, um, if we look at the science behind these practices, it can get a lot more buy-in from people. Um, so that's that's why we decided to shift to that kind of approach. Yeah, pharmacists love evidence, Melissa. You're, yeah. you're right there. Um, yeah. So explain a little bit about the, the theme to, to the campaign this year, this five ways to, to well-being. What what's, was that all about? What is that all about? Yeah, so the five ways to well-being, they form the backbone of our well-being offering. So the five ways are give, connect, take notice, keep learning, and be active. And I think there's lots of evidence behind each of those and why they're really important for our well-being. Um, so it's an established framework that we find really accessible, and it allows us to focus on specific well-being topics that can be easily and simply put into practice in our everyday lives. And we try really hard when we do um, say the Act Now campaign to give lots of examples of how you might incorporate connection into your life, for example. And we we have conversations with pharmacists and how this is meaningful in their lives and um, give lots of examples so that you could take this information home um, and really put it into practice. We're trying to develop in ways that support each of these areas. So for example, we're enhancing and creating new volunteer opportunities and that supports the give element. And we know that by giving back, you actually get quite a lot for yourself as well. So it helps society, it helps others, but it also helps us to feel well. Um, and then we've also just launched our new wellbeing learning platform, which connects with the keep learning strand of the five ways to wellbeing. And we know that keeping, uh, continuing to learn, having an active mind. Um, these things are really important for um, feelings of self-esteem and efficacy, but also for just general well-being and brain health. So in our new well-being learning platform, we're providing direct access to pharmacists to our um, well-being workshops. Yes, I'm sure that the pharmacists and, uh, and pharmacy teams are using that that learning platform. It, it's a, it, I've been on it. It's a great, great resource. Uh, Melissa, I'm, I'm curious. You've been with the charity, I think, for for eight months or so now. So yeah. relatively new to the sector. Um, is there yeah. anything that you've you've noticed about well being in pharmacy and amongst pharmacy teams and pharmacists in particular? Does anything stand out? Yeah. Well, I started. You know, the, the pandemic was sort of in full swing when I started. And um, I've definitely noticed in conversations with, with pharmacists um, that, that people are tired and there's a lot of exhaustion. And I think people are finding that their well-being is, um, is being aff affected. Um, I know that in conversations with pharmacists at, at conferences and things, we're, we're certainly hearing a lot about this. I think that there seems to be an opening up to the idea of enhancing the importance of enhancing wellness and asking for help. So instead of pharmacists having to be stoic and just keep on carrying on, which I talked about a little bit earlier, I'm seeing that there are a lot of pharmacists who are ready to say, I need help too. Um, 
So they don't always have to be the one helping, but sometimes can step back and say, I need to make sure that I'm all right too. Um, and that's where we really want to step in. We, we are able to offer funded counseling sessions. We have our well-being workshop. We've got a lot of well-being resources. So we're seeing that there's a receptiveness to this and a real need for it now. That, that's one thing that I've noticed in the last eight months. Yeah, I would go along with that. I think, I mean, you're, you're right. Pharmacists are, as we said before, are stoic and, and tend to just carry on regardless. But I think there has been an, an awareness that they need to look after their own mental health too. And and the sector is, pharmacists, pharmacy teams are, are almost running on empty at the moment. So yeah. it's, it has become a really important issue, I think, yeah. uh, for, for community pharmacy teams. So yeah, that that's interesting that you've, you've picked up on that. Um, so Danielle, back to, back over to you. Now we're coming to the end of this year's At No campaign. Um, how's it gone? What what been your highlights? Uh, well, it's gone really well. This time the pharmacist campaign's been five weeks, so we've just come to the end of our five week campaign, and there's been lots of interaction. Um, there's been lots of highlights for me. I mean, we've had 1,200 people sign up directly to kind of access our wellbeing support, which is great. But on top of that, there's been views of our weekly panel chats, engagement on social media. Um, I think for me, the, two, the campaign running across the two main pharmacy shows, the CPC and the pharmacy show, was really great because we were able to kind of showcase a campaign and it gained lots of interest. So people were able to kind of interact face-to-face and one-on-one, which was really good and kind of an element of the campaign we didn't have last year and um, so that's been a real highlight to kind of see it in action a little bit um, I think the campaign is really great for connecting people up and, and kind of creating that connection and um, a big part of the campaign is through sharing stories um, and this time we've had weekly panel chats so we've encouraged people to kind of share their experiences and I think for us we were really mindful quite a small piece of feedback but I think was really powerful for us last year which is that someone just fed back simply that the campaign helped them feel less alone because they'd listened to kind of other people's stories and, and felt like they could engage with that so for us kind of the storytelling has been really important so you know all through the year you can download well-being resources and we encourage people to share stories but there's such a focus on that during the campaign um, and that's been a great highlight um, I mean, for me particularly, uh, we followed um, Mohammed, our London Marathon runner's journey through the campaign. Um, and him telling his story was quite inspiring because he keeps telling me he's not a runner. But clearly, he's just run a marathon. But that journey of, you know, we all know physical exercise is good. But, you know, some of us just think, well, I'm not a runner and, and that's not for me. But just hearing how other people have, have got into some of the wellbeing practices has been really interesting. Um, it's been great to see pharmacy teams come together as well because I think team has been a big focus through the pandemic and we've all been there for each other but the campaign has allowed people to take a little bit of time to consider well-being you know people have initiated coffee breaks and chats and I think that's been really lovely to see Um, and I think for us as a charity it's been a good opportunity to do a little bit of reflection and launch and celebrate some of the charity services so through the campaign and our, our give element of the campaign, we actually celebrated 25 years of our Listening Friends scheme. Um, our Listening Friends is a volunteer peer support service. It's manned by 
um, pharmacists and retired pharmacists who kind of provide that peer support, which has been really important during the pandemic. So to celebrate that, and we've actually started a recruitment drive to encourage more volunteers has been really nice and um, to reflect back. And as Melissa mentioned, we also launched our new wellbeing learning platform. So it's been a real springboard for us as well as a charity to kind of showcase some of the new work we've been doing. Yeah, 25 years uh, of listening friends. A wonderful scheme, that. That's Mm. a really significant anniversary, I think. And uh, I did enjoy following Mohammed's marathon journey. He's a fit young chap, isn't he? (laughs) He said yeah. he got ready, did it in about three hours and a half. I mean, it, it was a wonderful story, but he was very open about it, wasn't he, about his journey? And it was, uh, it was great to, to follow him. Um, Definitely, he did ever so well. Um, so, what about moving forward, Danielle? Um, how do you hope to build on the the great work that that pharmacist support has done over over the past eighteen months? Mm. Well, it's been very challenging over 18 months and I think it's changing all the time so I think for us it's about helping people navigate through that change and for us to kind of react to the needs and continue to react to the needs um, of those we're here to help. Um, I mentioned that we'd launched a counselling service and we've managed to secure funding to extend that into 2022 so next year we'll still be able to provide that service and I think that's really important for us. We've had I mean, I've been personally taken aback by the response to that service um, and we've already tweaked it and extended the number of sessions we can provide to 12 free sessions. And I think the independence of that service and the fact it's quite timely has been quite well, well received. So that's something we know people want to continue. So, so we'll be doing that. Um, I think we'll continue to develop our digital and online offer because and know that the feedback's been that's been useful, kind of that 24-hour access and being able to tap into it when it's needed and really understanding, as Melissa mentioned, kind of the science behind so that people can understand why the small things really do make a difference. And I think, I mean, that's incredibly hard when we're really strung out and we're really busy. The last thing we sometimes think about is trying to make time to make positive changes. But I think the guidance that we've provided and all the resources help people to do that in really simple ways. So that's something we're keen to continue to kind of develop to make it as easy as possible. Um, and then I suppose the Act Now campaign, it, it's where we take it next. So again, it's been really successful this year and I think it's really good each year to kind of have a focus, to kind of encourage that conversation. Um, and we're only just finishing the campaign, but I think the general feedback has been how do we move this forward to support well-being in the workplace? So, you know, the onus isn't all on individuals. How can we work with employers and managers to create that culture shift really to kind of support well-being in the workplace so that it's a bit of a team effort? So I think we'll be carrying on and we'll be um, listening to that feedback, which is really important, and then hopefully delivering what people need from us. What would be your one message to community pharmacy teams out there? Um, I think my one message would be, I know that um, particularly in community pharmacy, it's been very focused on on patients and supporting other people. Um, And I just encourage um, people to think about themselves and to take a little bit of time to think about their own well-being. And as Melissa said, there are, are lessons to be learned. I know it's been really challenging, but you know, taking some of the positive positives and things that we've learned and to try and build that in um, 
is re- is really important. So that would be kind of my one message. Don't forget about yourself. My thanks there to Danielle Hunt and Melissa Cochran from Pharmacist Support. All the information about the support on offer from the charity, like the new learning platform we talked about and the Listening Friends Scheme, can be found on its website, pharmacistsupport.org. The link is on the Pharmacy Magazine website. Lots of material on the Act Now campaign and people's personal stories and well-being tips and advice are on there too. It's an excellent resource. Next week on Talking Pharmacy, the CIG editors will be back to discuss and debate the latest topical issues in pharmacy in our regular Good Week, Bad Week feature. And you can hear from Newmark Chief Executive Jeremy Meader too. Until then, thanks very much for listening.